This is the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? It generates something like two point. $4 billion. I don't know, maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I, I knew you were going to go there. Why is relating to deep mind where there's schools of beaters? Today's show is brought to you by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. The Finding Fins Fishing Podcast is part of the Sporting Journal Radio family, where our mission is to hunt, fish, conserve, and do it all over again. Show off your pride for the outdoors with new gear from the Sporting Journal Radio store. Go to SportingJournalRadio.com, click on store, and browse our selection of hoodies, hats, mugs, and more at SportingJournalRadio.com. All right, welcome back. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here by downloading the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts or by uh, listening on demand at our website or watching this on Facebook, YouTube, or Rumble. Make sure you like and follow us. Uh, share this with your friends. If you like what you're seeing, smash that like button, as they say. And uh, we got a couple of great guests. We're going to talk ice fishing, yeah, but we're going to start off with a little bit of whitetail. Uh, Randon Olson from Lockjaw Guide Services with us, as well as Jason Mitchell. And uh, Jason, first of all, Congratulations on the nice buck that you shot recently. Oh, thank you. I actually just shot it last night, so I'm <laughs> hanging up here. We're just uh, keeping it out and cutting it up right now. So, and uh, so as I was telling you off the air, Dan and I were were kind of prepping for this show, and um, he's like, "Oh, Jason just shot a real nice deer." So I was like, "Well," and I I put a message out to you asking if you could if you wanted to be on the show this week and dan's like oh jason's deer hunt just saw a giant buck i'm like ah, he's probably up in canada somewhere then no this is a north dakota deer yeah yeah i was just in north dakota and i hunt quite a bit around north dakota i mean i was in manitoba last week but uh i've been hunting a lot and it's funny i had a pretty cool and well i had a really big deer maybe 100 yards away from me early september and I haven't been able to get on a big deer since. And uh, I've been starting to feel like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I, you know, it's just kind of a deer where the lows are low and the highs are high and nothing was really going right. And I don't like to overhunt stuff and fluke stuff. I think if you hunt too much in the deer pattern, you then you're really having a tough time. But, uh, uh, yeah, it all came together last night and got that one. And I, and I shot that with my gratis tag on some land that I own. I still have my archery tag as well. So I'm oh, not perfect. done yet. But, uh yeah, and, and I could have hunted during the muzzleloader. You know, it's muzzleloader season right now, so I could have hunted the muzzleloader last night. I thought about picking up the muzzleloader, and um, I thought, ah, I'd rather shoot one of the bow. And uh, glad I did, but I was almost regretting it because I had – I was hunting out of an old abandoned farmstead, and I was in an old barn shooting out the window. And I shot a few deer out of that with a rifle, and my son shot his first deer out of it with his with a rifle here earlier this fall during the youth season. And um, – but I never hunted it with a bow, and so when I got in there, I couldn't, I, I couldn't shoot to the right, and uh, just there was like an old stall and shooting out the window, so I had to wait for the deer to get left me quite a ways. So I had him standing at thirty yards for a long time, broadside, <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't get that far over to shoot, and so finally he started walking away. Some raccoons came by and started walking away. And he's walking pretty fast directly away from me, but he's kind of quartering to the left where he's starting to get where I can shoot at him. And just at about 40, 43 yards, he kind of turned a little bit and not really quite broadside, but just enough of a pump area, you know, 43, 44 yards. I mean, I didn't have time to adjust pins or nothing. I already ranged it. And so I just, I was on my 30 yard 
pin. I've got one of those rotating sights, and uh, I just went about four inches high, and uh, and we got right behind the shoulder, and and uh, yeah, he went 100 yards or so, and dead. So that, there might so be nothing. <laughs> maybe nothing worse than having you know a shooter buck in range but not shootable. Like something, the branch is in the way or something's in the way. The heart starts racing. You start to, you know, you might start to shake a little bit. Had you drawn back yet or were you able to? I drew back back once and then I let off. And then, uh, then when he started moving, it happened so fast. Like, oh, here's my chance, you know? And, And I tell you what, I've screwed up a lot of opportunities too, by not waiting or trying to force a shot or trying to force a bad angle. Like if you don't have your three anchor points, if you don't, you know, if you got to stretch and lean and get funny with your body position, wait. You know, I mean, worst case scenario is you don't wound the deer and the deer walks away and two days later you kill him. You know, but uh, if that deer's gut shot somewhere two miles away, you never get another opportunity. So, you know, sometimes you just be patient, but when they give you an inch, you better take a mile. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I took a tough shot. I had one shooter so far this year that I've been able to uh, see in the daylight. And uh, I had a tough shot, and I missed him, and never saw him again. So yeah, I yeah. I get I get that. So um, how cool is that, though? I mean, that's just pure North Dakota right there to be to be shooting out of an you know an old barn, right? <laughs> oh like, <laughs> no, no. And, and it's funny, you know. So you look at you know, like say pre-settlement, right? Or pre, you know before the you know, all the European immigrants came into North Dakota and farmed and ranched and stuff, and you know there's hardly any trees on the prairie and uh, there weren't that many white-tailed deer. Well, then everybody, you know, planted these old tree clamps, these old farms, because they're over 100 years old, and nobody's lived in them for, you know, 30 to 50 years. And uh, just this old tree growth, and it's just great winter cover. And so a lot of times, late in the year especially, you know, these deers will, these deer will yard up or herd up in these old abandoned farms because there's corn or soybeans around. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's something we do a lot, especially late season that are pretty tough to beat. Nothing says North Dakota like shooting a big buck out of an old barn or catching a walleye that's out been hiding out in an old barn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I yeah, saw I that mean, you've been perfect control too. I mean, it's just like the perfect blind. Oh, yeah. You know, never get tired of it. You can hunt it five days in a row with the right wind and never wear out your welcome, you know. So it is a pretty when they get in there, it's a pretty deadly trap or setup. So Randon Olson is with us uh as well from Ottertail uh Lakes Country. Randon, have you did, did you shoot a deer this year? No. Uh, I've been running musky trips up until last Tuesday. Um, so I just put the boat away now. I uh, kind of focused on the muskies this season. Um, basically went from, from the boat one day to ice fishing the next. How was, uh, how was your musky season? It was really good this year. Uh, we, we got a lot of fish to come in. Um, we tried some different lakes and, uh, the, the amount of fish we've seen this year is probably the highest I've seen in the last five or six years. Oh, really? Um, there was a lot of fish. Yeah, it was a really good fall just to, just to get to see in numbers of fish and a lot of opportunities. Um, and the bite was pretty good. You know, it stayed pretty steady through the whole fall. We didn't have those those highs and lows like we normally have. So we when we filmed that show for Prairie Sportsman, we talked about moon phases and patterning fish. And then the two fish we caught were outside the majors, outside the minors. I, I don't think they were in either of the major or the minors. So did you notice any sort of, I mean, obviously wild critters are going to, they're not going to always be patternable, but did you notice any type of uh, trend or pattern this fall with your muskies? 
Yeah, so the big trend this year was if you got within the, the three days leading up to a moon phase, so you had the, the last three days plus the day of the moon phase, whether it's a new moon or full moon, um, those fish would jump back into those major or minor patterns. Once you got past that moon phase, then it went back to being outside of those majors or minors. So it was kind of interesting to see that unfold this all, all fall. Um, it, it was kind of a it was a cool experience. It was kind of kind of like playing a puzzle with them. Sure. Hey, are you going to be down at the St. Paul Ice Show this weekend? I won't be at St. Paul, but I'll be up in uh, Fargo next weekend. Oh, Fargo show, okay. All right, Jason, I know you're going down to St. Paul. Are you going to be in Fargo next weekend then too? No, no, I'll be at St. Paul this weekend. Then I'll be at uh, Shields Ice Fest in Eden Prairie on, I think, Friday, and then Shields Ice Fest in Sioux Falls on Saturday. Okay, and I see... I think I saw a post from me the other day. You were out checking some sloughs for ice. Uh, what did you see out there? Oh, you know, there's anywhere from four to six inches on a lot of the small lakes and sloughs in North Dakota. Uh, some of the larger lakes are still wide open, you know, uh, so it varies a little bit. But, yeah, we're just starting to get going. You know, we've been just walking out. I mean, there's some lakes where you could probably take a small quad or four-wheeler or maybe a small snowmobile. But, um yeah, and it's good ice. You know, I mean, we've had some nice days like yesterday. There was so much water on top of the ice, and it was so slippery by the end of the day. Uh, you know, it didn't feel like it got that warm, although I heard down in Bismarck it was like 55, 60 degrees. But um, up where we're at, it didn't feel that warm. It was kind of windy all day. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been, we're just starting to get out. I mean, there's been some walleyes getting caught in some of the small feeder lakes around Devil's Lake. And, then, you know, there's been you know, some people getting out and catching some fish. So Devil's Lake still wide open. But yeah, there's still a lot of wide open. I mean, like north end of Creels, you know, the back ends of the bays have ice, but you know, you look out towards the main lake and out towards the south end of Six Mile Bay, and you can still see open water. So. You were talking about using a spud bar. I, I, I think was that your video I was watching. You were talking about checking yeah. safe ice. Yeah, you know, I mean, I love to get out, and I've been out the first one out many times. But uh, one trend I've been seeing, and um, I mean, it's great that people are excited to get out ice fishing. I, I am too, but I'm seeing so many people, especially like on Instagram and YouTube and stuff, you know, going out on, you know, two inches or less of ice and, you know, making videos on it. And it gets a lot of attention. Don't get me wrong, but goodness, sooner or later, somebody's going to get killed, you know? And um, so I think, you know, you know, you got to be scared of the ice. You got to respect that ice. Um, I remember the last time I fell through, I was in my early twenties, you know, right out of basic training, you know, and, best shape of my life and man i had all i could do to get out and um mm. yeah, i can't even tell you how exhausting and terrifying it is um and so you know a spud bar is just something on early ice where you can check you know hit the spud bar on the ice as you walk and if you you know it just saves you from walking into a bad spot you know and early ice obviously is the time you use a spud bar if you're out trying to get out on lake superior lake trout fishing that's definitely a place to have a spud bar. I mean, wherever there's yeah. current, wherever there's sketchy ice, I mean, just that spud bar is the most important thing you can have. I mean, it's more important than a flotation suit. It's more important than ice picks or a throw rope because it just keeps you out of trouble. You know, you just don't walk into stuff. You know, walking in, <coughs> excuse me, walking in and then drilling a hole, by then it's too late. You know, so walk with that spud bar and hit the ice as you walk and keep you out of a lot of trouble. Tell me about that time you went through the ice. Well, I was actually pheasant hunting. <laughs> there's a bunch of pheasants in, you know, on the edge of a coulee. There's this creek that wound through the bottom of the coulee. It was pretty deep in spots. And, um, 
and they're kind of on the edge, you know, of this cornfield. And I thought, boy, if I can just slide down this creek, I can get right up behind them because you know they're, they're you know they're pheasants in, the, in December are, you know, they're wild. They run. They 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 won't let you get anywhere close to them if they know that you're around, you know. And so I thought I could get in there real quietly because there was crunchy, loud snow and stuff. And and uh, so I was sneaking along, and boom, down I went. And uh, goodness, it was really cold out that day, and I had all I could do to get back to the pickup. You know, I mm. it was uh, I couldn't even hold the keys with my hand. I had to use both my thumbs. You know, you know, nothing works. Your hands don't work. Your fingers don't work. Um, I couldn't even get my keys out of my pocket. I had to finally shake my pocket inside out and shake them down the leg of my Carhartt bibs I was wearing at the time, and nice. uh, lay down on the ground and grab the keys with both of my thumbs like this you know i mean you know i mean it was just a pretty tough deal and so yeah i'm i definitely respect the ice i i've gone through pheasant hunting a bunch of times uh nothing very deep it's more of that that uh i think that's the the sheer terror you feel as your boots start to break through the ice and not knowing (laughs) you know how deep it is or what's underneath it i filled up my boots many times but one time we were spring snow goose hunting um in south dakota a few years ago and uh, we were just scouting a field and there was a couple of us on a on a four-wheeler we were ripping out in the middle of the field there's a pond out there and the pond had uh, a ring of ice around the edge well i had I had my lab with Mika and there was like a pair of Canada geese just off the ice and she was just kind of running around and I saw her, she saw those two geese out there and I saw her, her ears go up and I knew right away she was heading right for that and that, that sheet of ice, that shelf went out, you know, probably a good 50 yards or so. And so she got out to the edge of it and just tried to stop and slid right off and fell in and luckily it was only... It was just shallow enough that she could touch with her back legs and she was able to put her front legs up, but she couldn't get out. So, and I didn't have, you know, waders with, we didn't have, we were just scouting. So we didn't have any gear. We were barely dressed for cold weather. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, we pulled that wheeler up to the edge and I just went out in my, in my boots and my pants and I, I just broke ice all the way out to her. So it was, it was past my waist and, uh, Oh, you don't want me to tell this story? So coming back, I had a trail broken for her. So she's kind of swimming back behind me and I got halfway back and I couldn't feel anything from the waist down anymore. And I was yeah. pretty much to get my legs to move. I had to literally pick up one leg and lift it in front of me and then pick up my other leg lift in front of me and oh, yeah. when get froze, it's terrible. it was uh terrifying deal yeah that's when i finally realized i mean that's the closest i've come to like falling through the ice and i, I wasn't falling through but that's the closest uh closest scenario that i've been where i can understand just what that cold water can do to a body and uh, how yeah. quickly it can happen so it's a very dangerous situation randon have you ever you ever gone through the ice one time, um, just up to my waist, it wasn't a, wasn't very deep, and I was able to kind of. I had some friends with who got out pretty quickly and got back. But um, yeah, it, it's a terrifying experience. You guys nailed it on the head. Um, as soon as you feel that ice start to give way, just your mind starts racing, and it, it it's hard to calm yourself down and, and try to do the right thing to get out. You know, um, and then like Jason said, the spud bars are invaluable. You see so many people. They'll, they'll check ice the first 20, 30 yards offshore, 
and then they lay the spin bar back and slide and they're walking. I, all the time, every year, um, you, you got to spud bar your way all the way to your spot. Mm. In fact, you, you probably shouldn't even take anything with you. You should just take the spud bar and a friend behind you and just walk your way out and get a good trail before you start hauling stuff out. Um, there's no fish is worth going through and, and having to no. deal with all that. For sure. Have you been out checking ice up there? Been checking some things out. Um, we're we're kind of in the same boat as Jason is. The big lakes are still pretty open. Um, if you don't mind busting a taillight, you could probably still put some boats in. Um, but the small lakes are pretty locked up. I just checked Walker Lake by my house here uh, yesterday. There was about four to six inches on it, kind of depending on where you're at. Um, it's seeing anywhere from from two to six inches. And, and like I said, there's still a lot of open water, so uh, we got plenty of time. You don't have to rush it. How is it, Dan, that our big lakes that are that the geese stage on that we're still trying to hunt, they're froze over, but all the big legs north of us are still wide open. That's that uh, is unfortunate luck. That's, that's our, our luck. luck is what it is. Yeah, dang. Well, I got a lot of pheasant hunting to do yet, so I'm not too excited about early ice fishing for a number of the reasons that we just discussed. But for those sloughs or small lakes that have uh, fishable ice, what Say you guys are going to go after walleyes. Jason, maybe I'll start with you here. What's your first go-to? Do you have a, a lure you like to try? Does it depend on the lake that you're going to? Or do you have, like, it's the it's the first ice walleye I'm going to go after. This is what I'm going to use. You know, a lot of times, you know, we're finding them shallow. And a lot of times, they are fairly aggressive if, if you can find them. And so, you know, that old shoreline, like on a lot of these dishbowl lakes, you know, there's kind of that shoreline where a lot of times it might be sand or rock in places. And um, then, you know, transition to the soft bottom of the bays and it'll be just flat across the middle. And uh, a lot of times we're finding fish on that harder bottom up on that old shoreline or shallow. And, you know, a lot of times they're less than 10 feet of water. Sometimes it's a morning and evening bite, but, you know, you get dirty water like up on Alice and Urban right now, the water's so stained you'll catch them through the day. And um, a lot of rattle baits, um, some glide baits, but you know a lot of you know a lot of basic spoons will work. And um, I, you know, to be honest, I, you can catch fish if you're in the right place at the right time. You can use the wrong lure, and so the big thing is finding the right place. You know, I, mm. a lot of times this time of year I'll have the same lure tied on all week because I know it's not the lure. If I'm not catching them, it's yeah. not the lure. It's yeah. I can't. I'm not finding them yet. And so with that in mind. You know, use lures that you can use to find fish because usually if you find them, you'll catch them. It's not a finesse deal. It's not a, you know, if they find, use lures that the, where the fish can find you, you know, because they are usually aggressive. And so, you know, just a lot of basic spoons, rattle baits, glide baits, fishing it with a pretty aggressive cadence, you know, and, and, um, and then as winter progresses, you know, a lot of times things will get tougher. We might have to change it up a little bit, but uh, aggressive presentation is kind of the name of the game right now for me. I didn't realize it until just now, but I have probably the two guys who have been the most influential in changing my perception of where to find walleyes. In fact, to find walleyes in shallower water more often, it's 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 been you know watching or listening to you two guys, uh, Jason and Randon, uh, to change my mind about having to go uh, a little bit deeper to find walleyes. Randon, are you is the same thing? I know this summer you were finding walleyes pretty shallow in Ottertail County. There, are you gonna are you gonna target some shallower water to try to find walleyes this winter? Yeah, it's gonna be shallow again, um, and I'm gonna try to stick there as long as I can. Um, 
aggressive is kind of the way I like to do it too. Um, the one thing with shallow waters is, a lot, at least around here, you can spook fish if you're running around and dropping things on the ice and, and moving hard and fast. Um, so you got to kind of be a little mindful of how much noise you're making. Uh, one thing I really like to do is, is the old style wind tip ups, the, the wind jiggers. Um, I'll put a little spoon on that and then just kind of set those zigzagged across that brake line. Um, and that's a good tool just to help me locate where some fish are cruising um, before I start setting some things up. So I'm big on movement, especially early in the year. Just keep moving. Um, those fish are going to keep moving. Um, and I try to focus on some kind of a difference. Uh, usually any kind of a rock point or weed line, a uh, little cut in the weed bed, just anything that's different in the spot you're looking to fish. Um, try to focus in on those areas. And, and like I said, noise can be a big deal. Um, we got really clear water around here. It gets a little tough to catch them in the middle of the day up shallow, um, but they're there, they're cruising. Ask anybody that's in a, sitting in a spear house, they see big walleyes all the time up there. So um, you just you just got to use your head a little bit and uh, and explore. Do you think, you know, you can spear walleyes in South Dakota. Do you think we'll ever see that in Minnesota? Probably not. No, probably not. No, probably not. I think it'd be kind of, I don't know. It'd be kind of fun, I guess. I I don't know. I go back and forth on spearing, but um, I like to be. I like to have the option of catch and release. That's my only issue with with spearing. But uh, all right, Randon, if if uh, people want to do some fishing with you, your guide service, you're going to be running running houses all winter. How do they reach you? Yeah, uh, the best way to get a hold of me is just give me a call at two one eight six four zero zero one five eight. Otherwise, you can look us up at uh, Lockjaw Guide Service on Facebook or LockjawGuideService.com. And Jason, you're not guiding anymore, right? You got, uh, no. you just got a lot of stuff going on, TV, podcast, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you know, the television keeps us pretty busy. I mean, that's what I did for years, obviously, is guide. And I haven't guided now in quite a few years, actually. But, uh, obviously, when somebody want to get tired of driving all over, I'll go back to guiding. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like doing it. <laughs> you know, it. it it it's fun, but it it's there's so much. I don't want to say there's a lot of pressure in it, but there's a lot of pressure in it. You know, you gotta. I, I always tell people that you can catch a lot of fish or kill a lot of ducks or or whatever and be a terrible guide. You know, guiding is so much more than just being successful hunting and fishing. Um, but the same thing goes for making a television show, whether it's a fishing show or a hunting show. There's a lot of pressure to be successful on camera. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of days where we're not. I know it'd be pretty boring television some days. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, we, we do spend a lot of time trying stuff that doesn't work just because in my mind, you know, the most special bites you ever find is when you take risk and, you know, try things or think of things that nobody else has. And sometimes, you know, we try little lakes, for example, somewhere back in the woods that, you know, think boy you know nobody knows about this and then we get back there and now we then we realize wow well, now we know why nobody ever fishes here <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and ultimately we got to try a lot of different presentations and lures and you know you know we're always trying to expand you know uh our repertoire per se you know and so we try a lot of stuff you know especially as lures you know i mean you got to try a lot of stuff to you know figure out if if a prototype is correct you know and mm. and um, so we, you know, we just try to spend a lot of time fishing, you know, and there's a lot of days where we wouldn't have a whole lot to film, <laughs> but uh, spend enough time and uh, you get it done. So I don't think people realize how much filming actually will go into like a 22 minute show. A lot of times there's and, and yeah. a lot of unsuccessful trips too. Well, yeah. And, and from an integrity standpoint, I mean, typically when you see a show, 
you know, we've got maybe a day, day and a half in the sense that when you are filming, it does slow the day down, you know, so you, like when you're really wrapping off fish, so your ice fish or whatever, and the cameraman gets tight shots of this and a shot of that, and, oh, we need to get a release shot and all this different stuff, and you're looking at these fish disappearing on your Bexler, and it's like, oh, just let me get back down there. <laughs> and so it, it, it can kind of almost, you know, it, it hurts you in a lot of ways, um, or the same thing with deer hunting, the cameraman's on the deer and you're not and mm. you're on the deer and the cameraman's not because you're sitting five feet apart in the woods you know i mean there's things that that uh, definitely make it more difficult but um you know typically you know day of fishing is what you go to the show and in typically we might spend another half day just shooting underwater or shooting lures or shooting you know drone and landscape shots and things like that you know just because and, you know that's one thing i don't want to show is you know, you spend seven, eight days filming something into a 22-minute show to show everybody how great a lure is. If it takes that long, it's probably not that great of a lure. You know, that's important, too, just from, a, from an integrity, credibility standpoint, yeah. too. So. Absolutely. Well, uh, gentlemen, I, I appreciate the time. Um, Jason, have fun down in St. Paul, of course, and uh, Randon in, in Fargo next weekend, and then Jason again, uh, Eden Prairie Shields and Sioux Falls Shields. Um, good luck to uh, you guys this winter, and thanks for being on the show. This has been the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, or go to findingfins.com, and make sure to like our sponsors. Looking for winter adventure? Might as well pick a place with over 1,000 lakes. Ottertail County, Minnesota is in the middle of everywhere, offers a simpler pace, and has something for everyone. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com.